Welcome to episode 96 of On the Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On the Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. Last week, I shared that a very unlikely thing has happened to me. I've I've become a seltzer drinker. Every day, I'm getting used to this new identity, and I've experimented enough with various flavors that I can now say plain seltzer with fresh lime is all I really need. This new effort to be mindful of what I'm drinking coincides with another big development in my life. I started Whole30 two weeks ago. If you're not familiar, Whole30 is an elimination program where you eat mindfully for an entire month. It's not an easy program. No dairy, no grains, no alcohol, no sugar or sugar substitutes, no beans. That's a lot of no's. What I am having a lot of is kale, cauliflower, and ghee, the latter of which is clarified butter and it feels quite decadent to cook with it. The only way I'm going to succeed with this program is to plan. My fridge is stuffed with fresh vegetables, eggs, and chicken breasts. I'm having fun roasting different types of squashes in addition to my go-to sweet potatoes. But what about when I leave the house to meet friends at a restaurant? That's when planning becomes crucial. That's also true when I leave the house to go to a networking event or a conference. Both times, I need to look ahead to see what's on the menu, whether that's reviewing the entrees and side dishes or checking to see who the speakers and honorees will be at the event. If you're going to leave the house, make sure you're taking the time to plan first so you're sure to meet your goals, whether they be dietary or networking. As a thank you for listening to this show, I'm going to make my book's bonus bundle available to you. That's 25 networking tips individually formatted to be print ready so you can easily share them with your team. The bonus is available to you even if you have not yet purchased my best-selling business book, Croissants versus Bagels, Strategic, Effective, and Inclusive Networking at Conferences. You can download the bonus bundle, robbysamuels.com forward slash bookstore. Now, Onto this week's show. Today's guest is a lifelong entrepreneur and corporate crusader. As a business strategist and expert in organizational psychology, she knows the path of success involves a lot of ups and downs, a lot of hard work, and a lot of strategy. She's a go-to coach for high-performance leaders who want to find the more they have been looking for. Her obsession with understanding systems of success and the science of human performance makes her a sought-after business coach who is passionate about helping ambitious people ditch the grind. Currently, she's the CEO of the Bold Leadership Revolution, where she supports business leaders of the world by helping them find the endurance to make an impact. Please join me in welcoming Tara Newman. Hey, Robbie. I'm so excited to be here. Tara, thank you so much for joining me from your office in New York. I just want to jump right in. This is a podcast about leadership and building great networks. So tell me, what does leadership mean to you And when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Yeah, I really love that question. Um, Leadership means a bunch of things to me, but I think mainly it means that you're raising your hand 
and saying, I have something to take a stand for. I have something to say. I have an impact to make. And I'm willing to go out ahead and lead and go first in sharing this thing that I have to share. So that, I think, is really what leadership means to me. You know, I come from a corporate background where leadership often meant title. Mm -hmm. And it always fascinated me how some employees, even though they didn't have a title, recognized that they had a contribution and an impact to make, and they were just out to make it regardless of what their title said. And then there were employees who felt like they needed the permission of the title Mm -hmm. to go out and take the stand. That's interesting. I I agree. Like the title, especially in like a corporate hierarchy, um, has a lot of weight, but shouldn't actually be tied to the word leadership because, you know, you might be a good manager. Um, That doesn't mean you're always a great leader. You could be a great leader and not have a title that gives you any kind of authority. There's yeah. something about raising your hand. It sounds like there's a, a self-initiated like It's action. from within. Yeah. It's yeah. An, an inside out form of leadership. It's like something's inside you that you're, you're raising your hand to take action on. So when you were little, uh, grade school, high school, college, yeah. were you the kind of kid who was the person who like self-initiated and took on different things, organized, you know, the, the playground activities? Um, or you know, were you a little quiet watching what was going on? Did other people see leadership potential in you and sort of like push you to take up some of these opportunities? Yeah. So I will say I was always a leader when my mom, there's this, you know, there's a lot of stories out of my childhood that when my mom asked me what I wanted to be when I grow up, I said, in charge. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to be a dentist or a cop or anything like that. I just wanted to be in charge. Um, And that's pretty much how I ruled as a kid. Like I was just in charge. Um, I like to think I wasn't bossy because there are also a lot of perspectives from my childhood that were, um, I was kind of on the fringe looking in. You Mm -hmm. know, my mom was like, oh, you were always like more mature than the other kids. It's like you were always watching them, trying to figure out, you were studying them. Mm -hmm. Like, what were they doing? How were they playing? And then you would try and go in and, you know, kind of observe them and behave similarly or not in their, it was in their habitat. So I was always like this observer of behavior, which is really telling as well, because that is very much who I am today. Yeah, I actually have distinct memories of sitting. Uh, so I grew up in Long Island, um, not far from where you are. Yeah. Uh, and there's malls in Long Island. That's sort of a big part of the culture, especially uh, in the in the 80s uh, when I was growing up, 80s and 90s. And I remember going to the mall and sitting on a bench and watching how people coming out of the different stores, like which direction they went. And depending every week on where like, the planters were and the benches were, would sort of shift where people went. And everyone thinks they have like choice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but really like a huge majority went whichever way they were sort of directed by the, the moving around of this, uh, these different objects. And I think it had a lot to think, you know, if Macy's was having a sale, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I never realized they did that. They would have you leave the little store, like, you know, you'd leave Foot Locker and, like, end up walking across. Instead of turning right like you normally do, you would, like, cross over and then go left to go towards Macy's. This is this funny thing. Um, and I just found that fascinating, this idea that um, 
you know, we, we're creatures of habit, but then we also sort of follow the cues of what people lay out in front of us. This idea of observing, but that leaders can actually use that to help people get to a mutually agreeable goal. Because sometimes people don't even know what that is until they see the opportunity. And you have to sort of present them like, oh, actually, I really want to go to that sale on Macy's. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's that's very mutually agreeable to me, you know, that kind of thing. I think it's fascinating that you picked up on that, though. Yeah, I ended up taking sociology and political science classes in college. So <laughs> 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 I think that was the early form of all of that. Yeah, <laughs> like, that is hmm. super observant. I always, you know, it's been really fascinating now as, uh, as I'm in my 40s to kind of reflect back right? Like you just did and like see those tendencies that you had as a kid. And then I don't know, like my mom will reflect things to me. And instead of getting super annoyed with her, like, you know, okay, mom, enough, like I got to go. Like I really have been like paying attention to what she's saying because there's so many cues and clues there. And she was talking to me the other day and she was like reflecting to me on how I was as a child. And I was like, Tara, just stop what you're doing and just get present to this because this is important information. Mm. And mm. I actually took notes. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell yeah. her that I listened yeah. to that intently. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so interesting because we've forgotten most of our life. I mean, like this is just true. And and people, uh, particularly people who are, you know, 20 and 30 years older than us that, that observed us growing up, they see things in us. They see the through line of our life in a way that we can't because we were just busy living it. And just even people who um, whose lives you touch. Like I just got reconnected with someone from um, my like college days, like, you know, sort of like the year before I went to college it was a summer where like I met all these people. And while I remembered her and I had a couple of pivotal moments in my mind, she remembers a lot about how I was with her and like the way I, I went out of my way to take care of the things that she needed help with. And I, like, this is someone I haven't talked to in over 20 years who lives, like, in Prague. <laughs> and she's in New York this weekend. I'm going to go see her for a minute. So it's just sort of funny that, you know, the influence and impact you have at a young, as a young person, um, it stays with people. So it sounds like you are the one of those people who probably, like, you've left a mark. Um, you don't always know what it is, but it sounds like you're, you're still trying to leave your mark. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like, like that's such a great question though that you asked about like as a childhood because that's you in your purest form. That's you before someone told you 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 weren't good enough or that you were overconfident and shouldn't be so cocky or you know whatever those messages were that you started to get that you know we all get and we all have these experiences that where we have this opportunity to either close or or open. Right. And a lot of times, sometimes I think we close down. I know I have. And so really understanding who you are in your purest form is just such a, such a gift. Mm -hmm. But we won't tell your mom that you were taking notes. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you find most rewarding about the, uh, the work you're doing today? Um, What do I find the most rewarding? You know, when a leader changes and they uh, step up and they say they want to develop, develop parts of them and they want to learn to uh, do something differently or to think differently or to have their perspective challenged or to um, step more into their power, the world around them changes. And it has a huge ripple effect on not just maybe their team or or their organization, but it has a, a, an impact on their spouses and their children. And there are these opportunities for these leaders to really 
um, I don't mean to use a word that's too woo, but like heal Mm. certain parts of them as a leader to become a more whole human being through their leadership and through entrepreneurship. And when they do that, they change generations. Mm. Wow. That's really powerful. And also for, for you to recognize that that's the impact you're having probably helps you keep going. Cause I, as you mentioned, uh, uh, when I was writing your intro, right, it's the ups and downs, um, that, you know, you experience in life and you've experienced in life. Um, so do you think people come to you even aware that that could happen or like, what's the, I'm always curious about like, what's the tipping point that helps someone come to the realization that they, they can use that kind of support, that they have the openness, mm-hmm. I guess, for that kind of coaching. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the, this, this idea of, are you coachable, right? Like mm-hmm. that's, that's an important thing to have big self-reflect. Like, am I coachable? <laughs> um, Is, are but, you ready? Is this yeah. the right time? Yeah. How do you, how do, how do you think the clients you work with come to that moment and how do you recognize that for them or help them recognize that? Yeah. So I think that my clients usually come to me for like maybe one to three reasons. One being they're exhausted and they're burned out, right? Like we are experiencing an epidemic where I believe that leaders are going extinct. They're an endangered species. They are burning out at alarming rates. And Mm. if we continue what is really in store for the world at large when we have no leaders, Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and so that is very much um, why leaders will come to me and nobody likes to admit that they're tired and nobody likes to admit that they're exhausted and nobody likes to admit that things just aren't gelling or working right now. Um, but for the, for the reality, the reality is, is for some of them, that is very much the case. Like they just can't put one more foot in front of the other and slog on. Mm-hmm. And what you have to realize is that um, a lot of the people that I work with are like the overly ambitious. Like I I say, we have go-getters and then we have (laughs) go-go-go-getters. And um, these people who ambition is their strength, what happens is is they start to overuse it and it becomes their weakness. That's really powerful. I have to really reflect on that for a minute because I have often said that I have more ambition than time. So it's, it's, there is a, but there is a point where there's like a diminishing return and all of that. Their ambition becomes their cage. Yeah. Yeah. So do you find that to be equally true for men and women that you work with? Yeah. Yep. And so, so some of them are burned out and they're tired and they're fatigued and they get it. And they're like, this just doesn't, life doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, maybe they have a serious health problem. Um, they're just, there's the zest is, is kind of like diminishing, but what you have to realize is these people have a really high threshold for pain. Mm. So by the time they're willing to acknowledge this, they are deep in it. Wow. I wonder if any of the listeners are starting to think that could be me and it's hard to admit that, but when you realize like the joy you got from, from doing your own thing, particularly if it's a business you've built up from scratch mm-hmm. and you had so much passion behind it, but there's a moment when that's not true anymore. And it's kind of painful to admit that. Yeah. Um, I was actually listening to a, a show the other day and the, the host was saying that we need a new word for entrepreneurs who switch to a new entrepreneurship, like 
uh, it was actually Jeffrey Shaw's uh, Creative Warriors uh, show. It's a great show. He's a good guy. And um, he was talking about like, you know, he had been a photographer 30 years. He owned mm-hmm. his own business, you know, total entrepreneur. And now he's switched and he's doing all this coaching and speaking. And it's like scary to let, you know, this thing that you've done. So there's this moment even where he went, he went past what you're describing and thought, I have to reinvent myself. Mm-hmm. So sometimes there's also people I imagine who are coming to you not really ready to say that, but maybe are looking for some ways to explore sort of what comes next. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, there's a great example. Like I'll, I'll speak to somebody and it'll be like year end and I'll be like, you know, what, what's your, you know, how did this year go? And they're like, oh my God, I doubled my revenue. And I'm like, that's amazing. Like, what's your goal for next year? And they're like, to double it again. And I'm like, (laughs) how do you feel right now? burnt out, tired. I'm like, okay, so how about you make the same amount of money that you made this year, but you make it way easier. Yeah. You know, we have, we are so addicted to things being hard and to having to struggle and to having to, it to be painful, to be worth it. Right. And so that's some of what my clients, and when people come to me, they are already aware. They have a level of awareness around this. They are they're typically learners. They're, they're, they're typically, you know, high achievers. They, they read a lot of books. They, you know, they have some language for this already. Um, other people come to me and they're like, okay, I've experienced this level of success, right? What's next? I don't know what's, I can't quite visualize what is next for me because I'm so in it every day. That I can't pull myself out. And, you know, it's really funny because up until recently, I'm embarrassed to admit that I, I just figured this out recently. My clients don't need to be pushed out onto the field of play. My clients are running around all over the field of play and they are out of breath. They need someone to pull them off the field of play and to say, let's take a breath, let's reflect, let's regroup, and let's re-strategize and get back out there because that is where unrelenting, forward, feel good, sustainable, healthy mm-hmm. success happens. Mm-hmm. This is really key though, because that reflective time is so rare, especially if you're doing something that you love. This is sort of the, the downside to being in love with the work that you do is that it can be all consuming to a point where you don't know what, su- what success even looks like anymore and where the boundaries of your life are. And it's helpful to have someone who can kind of, I always think about it. I have like a pit crew. That's how I think of my life. Mm-hmm. My like my own sort of work-life integration balance kind of thing. I have uh, different people in my life, including like massage therapists and chiropractors, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. business coaches, all these different people who are taking care of my like mental and physical well-being that I go to monthly because I know that I'm like, I am burning around that track at a high speed. Um, mm-hmm. And I, that's the pace that I know and love. But I also know I need to like come off and have like someone kind of, you know, look me over, give me a little reframe, get me back out there ready to do it again. And, and it's, it's important to build that in. And I think people who are aware of that do get this kind of support. I'm curious though, so you've gotten to this point in your own life, but I imagine it was not easy. Like this is, it sounds like we're talking about a third party, like the, how other people are. But what are the challenges that you experienced as you made this shift? And was there one in particular that you had to really overcome and how did you overcome it? 
this is so good. I mean, which one do you want me to talk about? Do you want me to talk about <laughs> bankruptcy? Do you want me to t- talk about burnout? Do you want me? <laughs> it's like, so, okay. Um, I burned out pretty epically. I wound up with end stage adrenal fatigue and it was years in the making. I, I joke that I overachieved through burnout. It took me probably six years to surrender to the fact that I was seriously ill and getting more ill by the moment to the point where I couldn't get out of bed. I um, s- struggled to even get in, a sh- get in the shower. Wow. And it was just so exhausting that when I collapsed with pneumonia, they, the, the naturopath said, you really need to change your lifestyle. Mm. You need to, to leave your work. You need to, I was like, how do you even do that? Like I was, I was like, like, yeah, what was your response to that? I was just like, oh, that's great. Hippie chick. Like, <laughs> I'm, like I'm making a six figure salary with like, cause she benefits over here and a family to feed. What are you talking about? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't quite, uh, I didn't quite get it at first, but I started making slow and incremental changes. And that's how I wound up starting my business was to heal from burnout. And it's like, what entrepreneur starts a business to heal from burnout? Like <laughs> most entrepreneurs are completely burned out. But I had to really um, use all the skills and tools that I have collected over the years um, and to really create something that was for my health and healing and for the health and healing of others, because I noticed that, you know, I wasn't the only one. As I started having these more vulnerable conversations, this was happening all over. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you had to make a really ma- amazing decision to make a huge shifts in your life. Um, big, drastic, scary shifts that a lot of people really resist doing. I want to ask you, since we're talking about, you know, stress and burnout and overachieving, what are your practices or habits today that are helping you sort of stay in this in a, in a healthy way, in a way that like um, isn't leading you to that? Yeah. You know, I think you really touched on some of this when you were speaking before and I wanted to acknowledge you because I find there is a difference between an achiever, a high achiever and a high performer. And it's like a spectrum. On one hand, you have people who are incredibly achievement driven and they're not always performance driven and they're not always high performers. And then you have at the other spectrum, performance driven people, people who are high performers. And what I like to do is I like to help people step from that high achievement place that's being driven purely by achievement to this place where you're more driven by performance. Mm. And, you know, a lot of that is the underlying energy, like what is driving the achievement And can you step out of that to allow yourself to be driven by performance, which when you're driven by performance, it's a more of a holistic model and you're taking better care of yourself on a whole, right? And you have people supporting you. You don't have the mentality that you have to do it all yourself and success has to be hard or painful or, you know, you don't have to bang your head against the wall for it. So, you know, I have a very in-depth 
uh, pit crew, as you called them, support team. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what? It, it, some people look at that and they go, oh, that's nice. You can afford that, right? But it really has nothing to do with that. I mean, there are people that could be supporting you and it might not cost you anything, you know, or you make better choices with how you spend your money and you realize that, you know, your performance is a priority because everybody likes to, you know, go on and on and on about their potential, but their potential doesn't matter if they don't show up and perform every day. There is mm-hmm. no potential if you're going to burn out. Right, right, right. There, I don't care about my client's potential. I mean, like I care about it because I like to know that they have it, mm-hmm. that we have something that we're driving for, um, that they have substance behind them and value to offer the world. You know, that's why I look at potential. And then after that, it's all about their performance, their everyday performance and how do we get them there. And so, you know, it's having a nutritionist. It's, it's having a, you know, a physical fitness uh, practice. It, it's having um, good habits around sleep. Mm, that's key. And for me, I will just interrupt you for one half sec to say that when I feel like I'm starting to hit that moment of sort of overwhelm uh, in my life, the first thing I do is I try to get three nights sleep. That is like, for me, quality. Like mm-hmm. what I, whatever I need minimum and a little more um, before I even try to make any other major changes. Yes. Your mindset is 100% affected by how tired you are. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I think this is something that we all kind of skimp on, especially when we're like working on deadlines and projects and like really feeling motivated. Um, and I am totally guilty of doing all those things, but it's definitely like, I can't eat well and get my exercise in and have any kind of mindfulness practice or be present with my children or mm-hmm. be great with my clients if I'm exhausted. <laughs> so yeah. that's like a first stepping uh, of, of this whole piece for me. Yeah. So what I notice is that people who are who are achievement driven will sacrifice sleep for one more checkbox on the to do list, right? Mm. Whereas people who are performance driven won't do that. Mm-hmm. This I've never heard this distinction before. I really I find it so interesting. Um, this this idea of like performance versus achievement that there could be different scales and that you're trying to help people see that it is actually about what you achieve as as an actual product as opposed to what you're striving for which is still like a theory that's not actually here yet um, yeah yeah it's just something that I've been actually noodling on from learning from the different people that that I coach right and so it's 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 in things like being attached to the money mm-hmm. to being able to go beyond the money. Yeah. I, I tell you, Tara, there's a book in here. <laughs> I know, Robbie. Uh, there's, there's a book a in, here. in here. Yeah, there really is. I want to help me with that. I'm going to help you keep thinking about that because that's, that's really, it's, I think it's key. I think a lot of people need to be thinking about this. So speaking of spreading your message far and wide, you have met just so many people in your career careers, plural, (laughs) in all the kinds of ways you've interacted with the world. Um, You've been at this for a long time. You've met some really good people. And so do you have any kind of um, practice or purpose, uh, purposeful practice behind sustaining those relationships? And I don't mean like your inner circle, like Mm -hmm. of close, you know, confidants. I mean, sort of that next layer out of people that, you know, you, you generally enjoyed 
meeting them, but you may not have a reason to work with them in this instance. Do you, do you like find, ha- I don't know, a habit or a way to like stay connected in a, in a long-term way with those kind of people? Or is it sort of happenstance when you think of them, you reach out? Um, I think I have three things to say about this. One, um, something I learned from you actually was that um, true connectors have a system. So I think you were saying how like, you know, what takes your being a connector to the next level is that you have a system for connecting with people or remembering people or, you know, knowing the people that you know better. Um, And I'm not the biggest systems person in that respect. Like I know you use a specific like actual tool. Um, I'm a lot more intuitive in my peopling. However, I have incorporated a system into my CEO debrief. I do a CEO debrief on Fridays and I ask myself, it's really a time for me to reflect each week on wins and what's working in my business and what's not working and what do I feel shameful about or embarrassed by? What do I need to take responsibility for? Um, And in this debrief, there are questions around, you know, who I've connected with who have I acknowledged and, imp- and shown appreciation for? Who am I excited to be speaking to next week? Mm. So, you know, it's really a time for me to reflect on the people in my, in my network, in my life, and who um, I want to connect with. And I do. I'll go through and I'll review, like, my Facebook messages and say, oh, I haven't talked to this person in a while. Or, you know, a lot of times I'll have it marked on my calendar that, like, I spoke to them on this date and love to follow up and maybe, like, two months or a month, or I'm always trying to think about how I can connect people that I know or who might need to know somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm very much embracing the fact that I am a connector because for so long, I actually felt like I was doing it wrong, but it Mm -hmm. turned out I was doing it kind of right. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I actually was able to pull apart being network, a networker mm-hmm. versus a connector right? and finding more of my people who are connectors and really understanding that it's not even always about connecting people to people that, you know, even when I do an Instagram story and I share a book that I'm reading, I'm making a connection. Mm-hmm. So I'm always trying to connect something with someone in that so you and I, before we hopped on uh, the recording, you were telling me that you were reading Scott Gerber's book, The Super Connector. Yeah. And that was really giving you a lot of sort of frameworks for how to think about this. It really, it, it was very permission giving and validating. And I, I understand that we, um, external validation is a slippery slope, but, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but I really appreciated it coming from this book. Yeah. 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 So uh, it was great because he actually is the uh, episode 88 uh, that came out a little while ago. So uh, people can definitely check out his interview if you missed it, where he talked about his book and his, his own approach and systems. And we interviewed a few other uh, connectors and super connectors in the show as well, because um, I, I really value hearing sort of how they approach this and what their thoughts are. The CEO debrief is really, I love it. I love what you just said, because I think the fact that you take time conscious time out of your schedule to sit down and sort of have that reflection moment. Um, it just sounds like such a, a great reset 
um, for you personally, for your business. And most people are just so busy just trying to like check things off the, you know, the box at the end of the week that they're like, you're like, no, this is the most important thing I can do for my business is to sit with my business for a minute and just like think about it. And now that you've incorporated this idea of like, who have I talked to? Who am I looking forward to talking to? Who have I appreciated? Um, this, this idea of like sh- showing gratitude, right? It's like such a big part of, of all of this. Of people leadership. Think, yeah, people think connecting is this, I don't know, like handing out business cards kind of thing. And like you're, you're clearly uh, operating on a much higher plane than that. Um, how do you approach though the, like, the diversity of your network. And I think, I mean, and when I say diversity, I mean like in any respect, in every respect possible. Um, is it something that you have been consciously trying to like create that in your world? Do you think that your network has the diversity that you'd like it to have? Um, is it happenstance who you meet? You know, how do you sort of, how do you sort of keep pushing out the outer boundaries of the people that you actually interact with on a somewhat regular basis? This is a really great question. (laughs) And something that I have been really deeply reflecting on actually recently, because um, I really do believe that leadership is for everyone, that there is, you know, tremendous diversity in leadership, whether it be um, diversity of thought diversity of your work, right? So, so often we, we tend to get like slammed into these rooms where we're just with more people like us. Like I don't want to be with more business coaches. And so I'm also not a coach who coaches coaches to be coaches, mm-hmm. right? Cause we see that happening. And I have a very diverse client base in terms of what they actually do for a living. And then there's the piece around race and gender and ethnicity and and all of that that I'm really questioning how can I do a better job ar- around that, you know, because I have very intuitively and like who I know, know, and then introduce me to somebody I know. And and I'm realizing that my circles are not as ethnically, you know, or 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 um racially diverse as I want them to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And if you ask people to introduce me to someone uh, that I might want to meet, they're going to end up introducing you to someone that they think really like matches you in some way, like probably similar backgrounds, similar experience, similar outlook, similar education. Mm-hmm. And that's could be great. It could be helpful, but it's sort of the echo chamber just being built all over again. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I can't, think of who to credit this, but uh, I was just being interviewed on a show, um, Coaching uh, coaching for Leaders, uh, Dave Stahoviak's show. And he was saying that someone he knows calls this redundancy. <laughs> so I got to think of who this was so I can give them credit next time because it's such a great frame. It's like, if you just keep meeting people who have something very similar to you, then that's kind of redundant. It's not going to help you think outside the box. Um, they're going to just affirm what you already believe. <laughs> You're like, great, I believe that already. Um, but how to purposely broaden that, um, which I think is a, uh, you can't, it's not accidental. It has to, like, you know, just following intuition won't do it. Yeah, you know, I do believe very strongly in in being intentional and discerning. And so I'm very intentionally calling in, you know, diverse connections and leaders into my into my sphere. And, um, 
you know, one of the things that I did was I, I took my brand from being Tara Newman coaching to the bold leadership revolution to take me out of the equation and say, this isn't just about me. This is about leaders everywhere. Um, this is, I, I leverage the internet because it helps me meet more diverse people than who's in my local network, right? Different cultures. And I've coached people in Austria and Australia and Switzerland and Germany and the UK and Canada and, you know, all, all over that my time zone will allow <laughs> without uh-huh. me having to get up at 3am. Um, and, you know, just really really setting the intention that that is important to me and that is important to my to my brand and to as a white woman not being afraid to ask my friends who are of color for help mm-hmm. and say I don't know how to have this conversation I don't know how to call these people in I don't know how to you know I'm not sure I'm doing this right I don't I don't want to and instead of being so afraid of messing it up you know to really ask for help mm. Yeah, I love this. Like, I think the fact that you're setting that intention, you're asking people for help, um, you're taking sort of an inventory of who's, you know, who those people are that you feel like you can sort of reach out to and, and thinking about sort of the assessment of like, well, where can I grow? Um, that's, a, that's a big step right there um, to even begin to have an awareness of it. And I think about this even when I think about who I'm inviting to be on the show. I mean, that's like one key place. I think about it a lot. And I actually just made a a decision that by the time your show airs, I think will be pretty apparent to people. I am now having more women than men on my show. Um, I used to do every other episode and I'm now going to have like two women and then a man and then two women and then a man. Mm -hmm. And I might even have three women and then a man (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. work with entrepreneurial women and I have been meeting all these fabulous uh, motivated, engaged, and brilliant uh, business leaders, and I want to give them a platform, and they don't necessarily always have access to them. You know, you bring up a really good point that when I started my podcast, um, I didn't think about, and it didn't it didn't hit me until maybe I was a couple of episodes in that. You know, and I haven't checked my statistics, so I have no idea how many people are actually listening to my podcast, um, but because that's not really where I'm at right now. But um, I realized that I have a responsibility now that I have a microphone in in front of my face, whether there's two people listening or 2,000 people listening. You know, I I have a responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. So, uh, Tara, we're going to keep staying in touch, and I'm thrilled that you actually live local enough to me that we were going to yes. get a chance to cross paths different places. Um, when we are meeting a year from now and we're reflecting on what an amazing year you have had, mm. what are the successes that we're going to be celebrating for you? You know, this year I really overhauled my business model, and I am doing less one-on-one work, and I am giving... I'm wanting to reach more people. So I'm doing a lot of in-person mastermind day events uh, that are like CEO retreats because of what we were talking about, really helping CEOs, founders, executives step out of the business, take that breath on the sideline so they could step back in. You know, so for me, it's seeing that, and it's also connection, right? Oh, yeah. Having these in-person events and really taking a stand for myself being a connector. Mm -hmm. And so... If we're sitting here having this conversation a year from now, my um, events and my uh, masterminds 
are really the bread and butter of my business unless it's less about the one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And I think that would probably be the most fulfilling thing for me. I think mm-hmm. the other thing would probably be, um, you know, that my podcast is reaching a, a broader audience. I would probably have to know how much of an audience it's reaching now to figure that out. Um, and you know that I've got two kids, man, <laughs> and that you know, mama life is is going well, and that my kids yeah. are healthy and thriving and flourishing in their teen years. I'm in that weird transition. Wow teenage years. And man, it's kicking my butt. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that's what's really important to me for the next year. Well, I can't wait to be toasting all of that. And I imagine much more. You have great ambition and you create great follow through <laughs> on all of your ambition. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you and follow your work? Sure. On Facebook, I'm the Bold Leadership Revolution. And on Instagram, I am loving Instagram these days. I am doing the stories. And so I'm at the Tara Newman on Instagram. And you can find my podcast at the Bold Leadership Revolution podcast. Fantastic. We will have all the links uh, in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Tara, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Robbie. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Tara. Such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 96, which is also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode with Tara, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan That's awesome. I'd love to read your review on iTunes. It's easy to find our iTunes page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance, and I look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talent professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on their way to becoming successful leaders. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.